everybody. Welcome back. This is Joni Stahl. I hope everybody's doing well today. I am really happy to be here. I, I have a word for you guys. And I'm going to just be, I mean, I prayed about this. I mean, it's not really something that is earth shattering. But I'm just going to, like my own Joan style, I'm just going to let it roll. But the first thing I always do is I give honor to the Lord in prayer. Because this is about Jesus. Your life is hid with Christ and God. So is mine. And we want him with us. And I want him here, right here with you and with me. So I'm going to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for yet another day that I can speak a word in due season. To the hungry, to the thirsty, to those who are lost, who don't even know you, to the seeking, searching soul. I praise the name of the Lord in this room and in the space and time of every soul that will hear this message from above. Lord, be with my heart, be with my mouth, sanctify me that I may do what you did as you said, as I hear, I speak. So Father, I thank you and I pray for your presence, Lord Jesus Christ, and the witness of your Holy Spirit that you will carry this message eternally. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... I had no plans of recording today. I, I try to keep my weekends open for my family, but everybody seems to be doing their own thing today. So, But not only that, I want to be obedient to the Lord. And I'm just going to just start talking. Have you guys noticed lately? I mean, we're all sensitive and knowing that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Like a friend of mine, Josie, said to me today, she says, it's palpable. And I have to agree. Because don't you feel like even if you didn't speak to another person, you would know in yourself there's something happening. Jesus Christ is coming again. It's not vague. It's not vague to any of us. We're all feeling it all over the world because the body of Christ is in every nation. And I am most certainly feeling it. And you guys have been hearing me lately talking about get away from the roadblock. And that's just not me saying, oh, you know, this is a whim. This is just a season of time. I'm not in a season. This is a move of God in my life. And I believe this move is in your life. I know it from the things you're telling me. You're writing emails to me and comments. All of you are saying, I'm hearing the same thing, Joni. I'm hearing the same thing, which really validates the fact that we are all in unison with Christ. You know, talks Paul the Apostle talks, you know, about us, be, you know, coming into unity of Christ. Don't you think our unity in Christ is not really what we th thought about in the beginning? Like, oh, we all have to come together in church and or in Bible studies and we all have to agree the same and we all have to feel the same because it's never going to be like that. But when he brings us into the unity, that means we're going to recognize that because you're going to stand independently just like I do. And it's a mature independence where you're not going to lean on the arm of somebody going, well, what do you think? What do you think? Unless you're really young and you, 
you're just new in the faith. That's different. Of course, you're going to go to somebody and say, am I feeling the right thing? But for the veteranized, for the Caleb's, (laughs) for the older saints, you know. You don't have to go and ask somebody, are you feeling this? You're like, hey, if, if, if I was the only person alone in my vicinity and had no friends, I know he's coming again. And, you know, I was thinking about, um, oh, and something else I want to say is, let me just share some things that the Lord is doing with me. And maybe you can say he's doing it with you, is there is a sharp razor. You know how it says the word of God is quick and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between the soul and spirit, even the joints and the marrow. It is a, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I really do want to say, and I'm going to say, all of a sudden, I recognize that there's a new charge in my life. And I'm absolutely aware of it. It's like God took his arm and cleared my table from everything. And there remains one thing. Him. And to be steadfast. To listen to what Jesus is saying. And I've been hearing that. You've heard me say this in my last two videos. And I even heard Jesus say to me, get away from it. It's going to go the way it's going to go. And this is, you know, usually I do a thing I call backpedaling where maybe it's a little insecurity within myself where I'll go, oh, but what I really mean is, you know, and you know why, what I think about this. And I don't mean that. I don't want to do that today. I'm just going to be clear when I speak. Don't you, don't you think, I mean, do you ever think about, about the word? Isn't God clear when he speaks? He doesn't, he doesn't sidestep. He doesn't beat around the bush. He says, It says the way of the righteous is made plain. It says he puts us on a plain path. God makes his way clear. And if you are on the narrow path, you're on the ancient paths that Jeremiah 6.16 spoke about. And on that path, you're running your race. Would you not agree that you are running your race? We are all each running a race and it's not a competition But we're all going to race, not as one that gets the laurel wreath of Rome, but the Stefano's crown. We're running for an incorruptible crown. It says, wherefore seeing, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it says, wherefore seeing, we all are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses Let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us. You know, when I see that word, let us lay aside every weight, you know, we're quick to read every weight and sin. You know, you may have a weight. And I realized that overnight, like, you guys, you don't understand what resistance I have been under from the enemy to get this word out. And that's why I'm going to come out like a weapon and a sword. Because if I'm going to preach the word, I'm not going to draw back through unbelief. But I'm going to give a sure word. I'm going to teach you. Like, what does it say? Uh, uh, come, uh, come, Come unto me, ye children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. See, when I 
I'm going to teach you something is because I have to be taught it first. Not some talking head, but it says lay aside every weight. Do you have a weight? I want you to think about that. Because you see, we tend to bypass the word weight and go straight for the word and the sin. Now, if there's sin in our life, we're always, you know, licking our finger and putting it into the wind of radar to see, Lord, is there any sin in my life? But is there a weight in your life? Satan has all kinds of lead weights he likes to throw on you while you're treading out water. Because in this life right now, everybody right now in the United States and in the world, aside from the fact there's all kinds of chaos and fighting in the streets and a looming civil war and another plague that's supposed to come near, uh, come upon this nation, is that it's already doing everybody in. People all over the place, they are full of a weight. They have a weight on them of what's going to happen to us. Um, The people are still locked in with each other. It's hard to run when you have a weight on you. Is that right? I mean, you can't run your full race, but God is saying you let us lay it aside. You may not be able to get rid completely of that weight. It could be financial. It could be unsafe family members. It could be whatever it is, but it's a weight. Lay it aside. God says, just do it. Lay it aside. It doesn't mean that you're going to feel it and all of a sudden you're going to feel light. You have to be tough in this race. I'm speaking to you as someone who's been running the race with you. Lay it aside. Let God have it. Like I was saying yesterday or a couple days ago, I was talking about live in the day. See, Satan's great thing is to keep everybody living in the morrow, living in the tomorrows, living next week, living next month, all the way into next year. And day after day goes by and you've lost what you can never get back because Satan knows the value and power of the saint that's living in the moment in the now faith. Now, now, right? He says, there's so many different nows in the Bible, right? Now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, right? It says, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we shall become like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, there's all these different nows. But Satan fears if you're living in the now faith, he wants you to get so wrapped up on what's going to happen tomorrow. But do you realize you can only live in a day? So really what happens is we get so tied up in a future, we're not even there yet. So basically, he's got everybody wrapped around his crooked, wicked finger, living in an illusionary dimension, and there's all energy coming out of our bodies, and he's laughing at us. No way, man. No more. Stop doing it. Live in the day. Have the now faith. Say, now am I the son of God? And I like, I love what it says in Second Peter, how it says, um, in Second Peter, I just, I need to say this. I need super bad to say this word to you because I usually have it memorized, but I'm going to say it again as I look it up. Okay, it is... 
Okay, so like all of a sudden, like I can't find it. <laughs> but it says, anyways, I do remember it. It says that the victory is now ours. It's ours that, you know, I, I believe it's in First Peter. Okay, so I'm not going to stick on that because obviously that's not something the Holy Spirit wants me to weary myself with. So you understand what I'm saying. So it says, let us lay aside every weight. It may be more than one weight. He said every weight and the sin, which does so easily beset us. So he connects the sin with the weight because that weight causes us to doubt God and have unbelief. And then we become, our hearts become hardened. Next thing you know, we're not hearing from God anymore. It says, and it does so easily beset us. Notice how it just becomes an easy thing and that we live in that besetting deception. See, Jesus knows the value of today. He knows Satan does too. And so it says, let us run with patience. And do you know another word for patience is perseverance? The race that is set before us. It's already set before you. Your lane is set before you. The narrow road is set before you. It's your race. The next thing is you look unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of your faith. See, he's already committed himself to your finish. It's not how you begin. You have to leave behind what was yesterday. Leave behind what's gone. Lay aside those those weights, every weight and sin that does so easily beset you. Run with perseverance and looking unto Jesus who authors and finishes your faith. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So see, Jesus had a vision and a goal. You know where it says, where there is no vision, my people perish for they have no knowledge, but they don't even want the knowledge anymore. Yet you see, there's a knowledge everybody's running after that's keeping them earthy and earthly minded. They're looking at the things which are coming upon the world to the intent that their eyes are completely off Christ. These, every weight is coming upon them and out goes faith. Because I'll tell you something, faith is the evidence of things unseen. The, well, you know, I always get that wrong. It's the easiest one to remember, but you know the one I'm talking about. And faith is real. It's substance. It's real. And Satan is terrified of now faith. If you have now faith, you can say, you, you can say <clears throat> to the mountain, be thou removed. You can do that. So there's a vision and a goal. And so when it says the joy that we set was set before Christ, a lot of people wonder, what does that mean when it says for joy set before him? A lot of people say, well, um, because he knew he was dying for people. And really largely that's true. It's because that joy is you and me. He saw us in heaven as he was going to the cross. And the goal was death. You see, a lot of people have a vision and they have a goal. But a lot of their goals are nothing but ambition. They want to have big ministries. They want to have a lot of people subscribing to them. They are concerned about numbers. They're worried if somebody disagrees with them. See, these are weights. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not the obvious. These are weights. Don't be concerned about that. See, because your vision and your goal must be the same as Christ's. So many of you say, I think I've missed it, Joni. I'm old now. I, I, I've been waiting for the Lord. Well, I've got news for you today. You don't have to wait another day after you hear the, this message. And remember, I don't, I don't have it up on anything. I'm just an older saint. Okay, I'm just veteranized. And there's some things that I know because I experienced it. I'm not giving you anything to think, say, or do, even out of God's word that I have not gone through myself. And yes, I still have more to go. And I expect challenge. I expect I'm going to have to persevere. I expect my patience will be tried. So your vision has to come from God. Because see, a lot of people have a vision and a goal, but it's not from God. That's why, you know, not only there's there's ambitious vision goals and goal. But I think when people don't realize that their vision and their goal must be the same as Christ, they think I have to do something. I have to I have to make this happen. I have to be approved by this by this government of people. I have to I have to prove myself. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's it. You're good to go. You know, I want to bring something up to you because this 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is something I think about always. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Anything you are doing in his name from his spirit of love and not your ambition is never in vain. And don't forget, Christ has a different economy than you because you see what's happened in postmodernism is everybody thinks that they have to be given permission to go, that they have to be permissioned to do that they have to be given permission to speak. And nobody has to give you permission to serve Christ. Were you given permission to come to Christ for salvation? Are you given permission to come to Christ in prayer? Are you given permission to open up your Bibles and read it daily? Are you given permission to do anything? But isn't it interesting that the mindset of postmodernist Christianity is that you have to look for somebody to approve you. That is where your weakness has been. See, because I let, let me just keep going with this because I want to encourage you who think people who think they've missed their calling and those of you who are entering in and those of you who have kind of been in the middle of that all along. You know, in John 4, 37 through 38, Jesus says, and herein is this saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. You see, we're at the end of the church age and Christ really can come at any moment. I fully believe that. That's my conviction. So it's reaping time. Because over the last 2,020 years, 
there has been sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing. And there's a lot of people, and I myself have said it, I'm a sower that goeth forth to sow. But I realized there comes a point where you it's time to reap what other people have sown into lives. And that may mean you have to have perseverance in it. You have to have patience and don't, you have to let, let go, let go of the thought of the thought or, or hope that you will see it in your lifetime. You have to leave it with God. You have to say, leave the results to God. Let him be the one to bring it about. You be faithful. I want to say something to you. The Lord was speaking to my heart today about your enemies being that of your own household, your worst enemies. And you know, I was thinking, it popped into my head and I was like, yeah, I was just thinking about that. And the Lord just put a light on that. And he said it into my heart. He said, the reason why that is going to happen. I heard him in my spirit saying this. And I'll stand by it in my eternal life before the Lord between him and I. So I'm certain in my heart, this is how I heard it. The reason they become their worst enemies is because when there is one Christian in a house, whoever it is, it could be the children, a child, it can be a parent, it could be a grandmother living there, it could be any anybody. But you see, when the rest of the house is unsaved, the person that is saved, though they're praying in the corner and praying for everybody, they have to live a certain way because they realize nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to know about the Lord. And so to live peaceably with them, they pretty much keep it to themselves. And at times, maybe other people might want to hear it and there's a limitation to it. But what the Lord showed me is because when his people know that he is coming anytime they're, and they're feeling it, that they're going to cast off. They're going to lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset them. And they're going to be serious and they are getting serious about their faith and they're drawing nearer to Christ and they're dwelling in his light and the power of the Holy Spirit is coming into them and resting upon them and building up in them and what spirits are in the house and driving the people are going to turn those people against that person. That is why they become the worst enemies because they live with that saint. You see, your neighbor is really not going to become your worst enemy because they go into their house and slam the door and forget about you. But it's your worst enemies will be that of your own household. You know, um, it's reaping time. Keep that in mind as I go on. You know, in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, Jesus, you know, there is a prophecy that says the spirit of the Lord is upon me, which is Christ, right? He's prophesying Luke chapter four, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And you know, it goes on to say to a point unto them that morn in Zion, you know, beauty for ashes, but I'm not going to get into that part. I want to talk about what Jesus fulfilled in Luke 14, 18 through 21, because Isaiah puts it to preach the gospel to the meek. Jesus says here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day, see, there was a day he said that this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And if that's in the first day you ever read that word, that was the day that that scripture was fulfilled in your ears. And, you know, I thought to myself, I really started doing even some more thinking about this defining I feel within myself. And I started to be so moved about what it really meant for me as being his, that I want to serve Christ with all my life. I tell him in my living room, Lord, my life is all I can give you. I come empty handed. I have nothing to give you but myself. I give myself away to you. Whatever you do, don't give me back to myself. What am I supposed to do with myself? I have proved to you that whenever I have lived for myself, I've gone into destruction. I have been nothing, nothing, but just nothing. But because of the nearness, it's been so real to me that I feel a ripening in myself. I believe that The Lord is ripening me and ripening you as we get nearer to heaven. We're ripening. That's what's happening to us. We are the wheat that's white to the harvest. We are ripening fruit for Christ. And I thought to myself, you know, if you really, really, I asked myself, Joni, if you really want to serve Christ, You have to leave. You have to leave. Let me explain to you what that means. I don't mean leave my husband, leave my children, leave my house on some crazy journey. That's not what I mean. Because I'm one of the older women who teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, and to guide their home, and to be keepers at home, and to be everything that Proverbs 31 woman can be as much as she can. So hear me very clearly. Let me give you some examples of leaving. Because I believe what the Lord is showing me, he's asked calling you to leave. He's calling you to leave now to serve Christ. And I'm going to teach you how to do it. When we first were born again, What are we told to do? We're called to follow Christ. We're to become disciples of Jesus Christ. We are given the great commission. Go ye therefore. Preaching. Teaching. Baptizing. Making disciples of all nations. Look at Abraham. Abraham left his home and never went back. It took him 15 years to go. It wasn't easy, but he went. And look what happened when he left. God appeared unto him in a vision and told him, if you can count those stars, 
so shall your children, so shall your offspring be. And we know who we are, his offspring. Moses, I'm just going to run down. Moses left his home and never went back. And you know what he accomplished. Joseph left his home. Even though it was through the jealous rage of his brothers, but God allowed it because God had a plan for Joseph. And who knows if you don't have some of that DNA in you, that if God did not use Joseph and take him from his house, we don't know who we're related to of all these people. And we're alive today because they left and never went back. Joseph could have went back. No, he stayed right where he was. Except he said, remove my bones when you go. Jacob left his home, though it was because his brother wanted to kill him. But he never went back either. Ruth, she left her home to go with Naomi and never went back. Esther left her home, even though she was forced to. And she became the queen. And by her, millions of people were saved. She never went back. Samuel left by virtue of his mother, who took him to the temple, who loaned him to the Lord. Day And he did ask to go home, though, to Ramah in his old age. I think he was the only one. But at that point, he never really, it wasn't like going back home. He, he went there as an old man. David left his father's house to serve Saul, who he later became king of Israel. The prophets left their homes and families. Jesus left his home at 30 years of age and never went back. He went where he came from before to his real home. The disciples left all to follow Jesus and they never went back except a bunch of false disciples. Saul of Tarsus left his Pharisee life to serve Christ and he never went back. In Luke 9, 57 through 64, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head because see, it's not, that was one kind of person that says, I want to follow their intent is right, but he knows what's in their heart, that they're not really counting the cost of following him because the Lord is saying to him, basically, it's not an easy road. He didn't tell him. No, he just said, Foxes have holes. He didn't say don't follow him. He's just letting him know the kind of life it would be. And then another said, and then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Because back then when a person died, they put him in an ossuary. It was a stone casket. And they said, yeshivas, uh, they said shivas, which are, prayers for the dead for an entire, I think if I understood it right, you can correct me, please correct me. I, I can be corrected for an entire year. And then they entombed them. They, they buried them. So the Lord's like, you know, you're going to go first and then come back a year later, you know, and Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. Right. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the pl- at, to the plow and looking back is not is and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, they had their own goal and vision. See, they all wanted to follow him. 
Jesus went to those when a man said, I will follow thee. And then when he goes to two, and then when he says to another, follow me. And then to another, Lord, I will follow thee. It's because he's showing that there's people that want to go. They come to him. They want to follow him. Others he will call to follow him. But they have a different vision. They have a different goal. Because they put everything first before Christ. Notice what he didn't say no to any of them. Notice what he said. Let the dead bury their dead. He said, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. He didn't tell them no. He said, go start preaching it. You can do it right now. You don't have to walk through me with me physically through the earth, but go preach the kingdom of God. And then into, then into him, and then the one that he says, let me go and bid them farewell, which are at my house. He dealt, and he said something else to him. He said, no. He said, he that puts his hand to the plow and looking back is, is not fit for the kingdom of God. So, that's another class of people that go into following Christ, but you see their heart is not in it. It says, wherefore is there the price in the, of, in the hand of a fool to gain wisdom, seeing he has no heart for it? You see, Jesus doesn't say no to anybody. Just like when his disciples said, Lord, we saw some people casting out demons in thy name and he doesn't follow us. And he said, leave him alone. He that is for us is not against us. Right? Because in Philippians, it says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So you see, there is a perseverance factor. It says, um, and he, and, uh, I believe this is Romans chapter five, uh, three through five. And it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And perseverance is another word for patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So we know hope is the anchor of our souls. See, if we're not anchored down with that hope, it's because we don't have that experience. See, right now the world really has gone mad. There is a madness. All the nations are angry. And I agree, it can be difficult, especially when we are looking what's coming upon this earth, right? It does say men's hearts will fail them for looking for those things that are coming upon this earth. Well, we're in this earth as much as any unbeliever. We see what's coming. But what I believe what God is asking us is to do is to have perseverance. There is a perseverance. Now, let me say this. What I've been really hearing from the Lord. Okay, first of all, um, the Lord keeps giving me this internal vision. As I keep seeing, I know this, I'm just going to be honest. I keep seeing myself on a like a green pasture with sheep around me. And I'm by myself and I'm trying to lead, but not like frenetically. It's peaceful actually in this vision. And I keep seeing this. Like I'm not generating it of myself. I make myself nothing. Christ is that great shepherd of the sheep. And I know his voice and I lead and followed out with him. 
But I keep having this vision of myself as this little person. And all these sheep are around me in this vast wilderness. And when I move, I'm moving around and they're following me around. Now, I make again, I make myself nothing. But this is, I can't help it. But I believe what the Lord is saying to me is he's, I've been hearing him saying to me, Joni, what I, what your charge is, because he has shaved a ton of stuff off of me, is I want you to keep everybody focused on me. It's going to be hard. I heard him say this morning to me, what's coming upon my saints is going to test them. And we have to look to Jesus Christ. You see, what I'm trying to teach you is when you preach the God, it's like, what do we do? Right? I'm coming full circle now. Is what Jesus is saying to me, to me. And now I'm saying to you, because I believe this is a word. He said, preach the gospel with your life. Preach it with your life. You know, when he says, the Lord has anointed me. I'm going to close my computer too fast. When he says, The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Is the spirit of the Lord upon you? Can you say yes to that? I can. Can you answer this? Has he anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor? Can you answer yes to that? Because if you truly are born again, you can say yes to that. Because you're born again, you are now a child of the most high God through Jesus Christ and the blood purchase of your whole life. Yes. Say yes. If you're born again. And has he sent us to heal the brokenhearted? Yes. Matthew 28, 18 confirms it. And has he sent you to preach, deliver to the captives and the recovering the sight of the blind and set at liberty them that are brood. Bruce, and to preach the acceptable the year of the Lord, you should be able to say yes to all of that. I don't care if you're a week old in the Lord. Go and tell people Jesus loves you. Preach the gospel with your life. Don't seek for permission for people. Start doing it around you. And if those around you don't want to hear about it and they don't want to pray with you, they don't want to read the word with you, don't be mad at them. Love them anyway. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Everything you do every day is not in vain unto the Lord. There's not some grandiose, I've got to do this and then I could go. It's like, no, go now, leave now. Can you leave now with Christ? Christ is calling you to leave with him. Do what Abraham did. Did Abraham go, well, I don't know. All he did is he waited for Terah, his father, to pass away. Abraham left his home and never went back. Moses, at 80 years old, the Lord meets him in a burning bush. And he's like, I need you to go over because you're going to be saying this and such and such is going to happen. And I'm going to set my people free. Moses was 80 years old. You didn't miss it. Those of you who are old and you're listening, you haven't missed it. Leave today with Christ. Go with him in your spirit, man. 
Stop looking at the things around you. Lay aside every weight that so easily besets you. It says it easily besets you. It becomes a sin. It becomes a sin. We don't realize it creates sin in our life. Whatever it is, you'll have to take that before the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. The Lord is, he searches you out. He tries you. He sees to see what's in you. Jesus wants you to preach the word with your life. Get started. Do it now. And it doesn't matter. Leave the results to Christ. Reap. Start reaping. This is reaping time. Go out every day. Slam the door on the tomorrow. Don't look over there. You can make your plans and say, yeah, I got to be there next week. And yes, this is happening. And if that happens, and if that doesn't happen, see, because if we truly have faith in Jesus Christ, I mean, truly, it's easy to say, well, you know, faith is uh, the substance of things unseen, the evidence of things yet hoped for. There, I said it. Okay. It's so easy to say it, isn't it? But what happens? What happens? You want to wait till everything caves down around you because you've been living in tomorrow? Get out of tomorrow. Get out of next week. You don't belong there. You belong here right now today. And everything you do while you live and move and have his being in you. Look at what Jesus did. I love what a sister, an old sister missionary in Christ said. You do what Christ did. He laid it out. He went out. He laid it out. He walked it out. I love what she said. She said, so many Christians, they want to jump on a plane. They want to run from one conference to another or where one move of God is to another so they can get a move of God. So they can say, see how they can serve God to see how they, you know, and of course I'm adding my words to it. These are my words to see how they can be more full of power, to operate more in the gifts, to be more anointed when everybody that they left behind, the poor people don't have money to fly from conference to conference and you've left the thirsty and you've left the hungry and God has given it to you. He sent you to preach the gospel to the poor. You can preach the gospel to the poor through your life. It's not just here. Let me open it up here. Preach the gospel. A lot of people will not hear what you have to say. Then you be that written letter. Live among those that hate you. Live among those that love you. Live among your neighbors. Live among people that have other religious backgrounds and let your light shine. Whatever you stretch forth your hands to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. But you do it and you start now and you leave with Christ. It's time to leave with Christ. Look at what Ruth did. Ruth left. And she went with Naomi. She could have went back. Remember, it said Orpah. Remember, Naomi was like, go, my daughters, go back. Go back to your people of Moab. I'm a widow. Shall I have more sons? Such and such. And it says Orpah kissed her. But Ruth claved to her. And look what happened. She left everything. But look what she gained. Look at what all these people have gained. To live as Christ, to die as gain. That's the goal. Do you want to enter into heaven empty-handed? I don't know about you, but I said to Jesus this morning, I want the net that you spoke about that was in John chapter, you know, the last chapter of John, where they said they pulled in the nest, but this time it didn't break. 
I want to work like there's no tomorrow. And I have decided to follow Jesus. And something else Jesus said to me today. He said, stay far away from mixing my words with politics. He said, stop that. Don't even. And this was like to me because I start to look over here and over there. The Lord said, don't even look at that, Joni. This is what he, this is his charge to me. Preach my gospel. Preach the gospel with your life. Preach the gospel to the poor. And this isn't just me doing it. Like, oh, look, Joni did another episode. It's like, no, you guys don't understand. Ever since God started dealing with me about living in the day, it changed everything. It changed everything. I said, I'm going to make every day count. Man, I went out, I walked my dog. I was like, man, I, I just smiled at everybody. I was waving to my neighbors. I was preaching the gospel with my life for the joy that was set before me. You know why? Christ is my joy. You are my joy and crown of rejoicing. I love you. And I'm here today because I love him. And because that love is in me, I love you. And I say with Paul, are not you my crown of rejoicing on that day? I want to be able to see every one of you in heaven. And I want to have an ear to ear grin. And I want to rejoice with glory and joy unspeakable. I want to rejoice with you there. Don't let anybody tell you, you need to see this. You need to be ready to do this. Can you hug a sad person? Can you you pick up the phone and say, I've been thinking about you? And even to your enemies, maybe you might have somebody, you know, I I, I speak to lots of women, not lots of women, like a woman here and there, maybe, you know, a woman, she'll have a son or a daughter that are evil to her. And, and then I may speak to a woman or a person and their spouse is wicked to them. But, you know, I say, don't be mad at them. They are controlled by the enemy and you hold your line and you preach the gospel with your life. Animate it. Get out there and do it. Some of you go, but Joni, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I don't have an outlet. Yes, you do. Follow Christ in your spirit. Like Jesus said to that man, but go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And you can preach the gospel of the kingdom in your very house, in the grocery store. The love of God is shed abroad in your hearts. You know, forget your own sufferings. You know, it says that we are to suffer, right? This is Christ did. But that word suffering, you have to realize it's not just a, like, a, a, remember when the crown of thorns and everything? But see, suffering meant you suffer long. And you don't do it without Christ. Christ honors that. Because what you're doing as you're entering into the sufferings of Jesus Christ in patience and perseverance. And then that hope enters in and it becomes an anchor to your soul, which takes you in behind the veil. It makes you tough, but it's a good tough. 
David said, for thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation and delivered me out of everything he said. He said, and thy gentleness has made me great. So fill up the sufferings of Christ in your body and forget your own suffering. See, have a vision and a goal. See yourself already in heaven like Christ did. And in closing, it says in Revelation 12, 11, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their own testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. So see, only Christ can give you what you don't have. But you have everything now. Because if you are truly born again, then the spirit of the Lord is upon you. And he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It's time to leave. Because when you serve the Lord, you have to leave. And you have to leave like everybody in the Bible. But look what happened with the outcome. Preach the gospel with your life. I hope that was a blessing to you. Jesus Christ is coming again very soon. Don't try to bid someone farewell at your house. See what's truly in your heart when you say you want to serve the Lord. Be sincere. Come empty-handed. Let only yourself appear before Christ and tell him, I love not my life unto the death, but I love your life unto the death. And when you do that, do it only if you truly mean it. Because it's the way of the cross, but it's the only way that leads into glory, where I plan to be, where I hope to see you very soon. Go with the Lord today and be lifted up. Jesus Christ is coming again. Keep looking up. Don't look back. Forget what's behind. And don't live in tomorrow. Grab on to the Lord and live in the power of now. Shalom. Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye.